0: We're starting a new series today, and it's, and it's kind, of a, kind of a big deal. I feel like we've been really harping on vision and mission for a while. Uh, I even felt tired of it. Um, so I, I'm assuming that if I felt tired of it, you're feeling a little bit tired of it. And so I'm, I'm really excited to move into a new series. We're going to be in Genesis 32 for most of the day. Genesis 32 for most of the day. So if you have a Bible, now's the time to pull it out. Uh, if you have like one of those palm-sized touchscreen glow-up Bibles... Uh, Those really cool ones that you can flip through. Now's the time to pull that out too. It's really good practice to bring your Bible on a Sunday morning and to figure out how to navigate through the Bible. Because I want you to know that you can get home on Monday and you can spend time alone with God and that Bible as you learn how to navigate through it. So you want to be able to know where things are. You want to know the entire narrative of the Bible. Uh, You don't have to know every book by heart. You don't have to memorize 3,000 scriptures. But you have to be able to navigate through the scriptures. And so it's good practice. The Bible is not really shy about talking about itself. Did you know that? And the Bible says about itself that God's word is a lamp unto our feet. Meaning if you don't have the lamp... It's pretty tough. you live in darkness, you don't know where you're going, right? We can let our imagination kind of run away with that metaphor. The Bible says the, the word is a lamp unto our feet. And so let's get to know the word of God this morning. Uh, we always preach out of the scriptures. We are in Genesis 32:22, 32:22. 32, 22. Big number 32, little number 22. That same night, or the same night, he, Jacob, that's Jacob, we're talking about he, Jacob, arose and took his two wives and his two female servants. Now hold up. Don't let this scripture stub your toe already. Um, I know some ladies are thinking, uh uh he got he got two wives and two female servants. Why they had to be female?" Uh, Don't let it stub your toe. It's a totally different time, totally different culture. We don't have time to get into that context, but just don't let it stub your toe and 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 knock you off the scripture. And his eleven children, he's got a lot of children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbawaki. Just kidding, the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, this is also something we don't have a lot of context for. We don't know if he just kind of approaches him uh, and is like, you want to go? <laughs> I don't know if he just went up to him and is like, you, you ready to go, this man and Jacob? I don't know if he just kind of UFCs him real quick. But we do know that they have like a 15-round, all-night MMA match that would make Dana White proud. I mean, they, they go through the night. Watch this. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hit a uh, hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him interesting right we know that this man had this power the entire time but he did not use it which means for this man this wrestle this moment is really meaningful then he said let me go for the day has broken but jacob i will not let you go jacob said i will not let you go until you bless me can you feel me like can you feel that emotion it's kind of it's kind of a weird thing to say in the middle of a fight but but that emotion is coming out. Jacob is having a hard time in life. His family doesn't like him right now. He's not really sure what the future is going to bring. And, and there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of passion. Maybe even some tears coming out of his eyes as he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Really fascinating. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. That's where the word Israel comes from. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. I want to invite you into a new series, and that series is entitled Appearances. Because we're studying the appearances of Christ before the appearance of Christ. You know what I'm saying? So the birth of Christ... Uh, is is in the is in the gospels but we're studying the appearances of christ before we see the appearance of christ um there's what we call christophanies and those are the appearances of christ we'll walk through the meaning of that word in a second but christ is not just showing up in matthew or mark or luke or john christ is all up in the old testament did you know that Jesus is appearing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's all the way back in Genesis. He's all, now this is Colossians talking about creation. He's the, invi- uh, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and in- invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So he's there in the beginning. He's part of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's there, and all creation is created through him. And then we get what's called Christophanies. Now, the word Christophanies, if you want to be a a, a major theologian and talk to your friends and sound really smart, I know that's a goal of all of us. I'm being facetious. The word Christophany breaks down like this. Chris is Christ. Big shocker there. And then Phania is the original word it breaks down for appearances. And so Christophanes means Christ appearances. Christ appearances. Again, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus was there in creation. Jesus was God's son. He was God's plan. A- after we sinned, after we fell, He's God's plan for salvation. Uh, Jesus is the plan in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, just so on. I'm not going to name them all. So on and so on. He's, he's He's been there from the beginning. He's been a presence from the beginning. And so often we love to study the, the New Testament appearances of Christ, but we don't really study the Old Testament appearances of Christ. And really because it's hard. Really because most of us don't really like the Old Testament. If we're honest, maybe we've even said this at some point. I like to read the New Testament. I don't like to read the Old Testament. Isn't that crazy? But it comes out of our mouth. that we mean it. We don't like the drama of the Old Testament. We don't like man's sin and what, how it trickles down through the generations. We don't like God's wrath. We don't like God's justice. We like the part where we get to Jesus is born in the New Testament and starts healing people and feeding people. I mean, who doesn't like that? <laughs> We can do without the demons and stuff. But we we like that part where he's feeding people, where he's born in a manger, and we get to have Christmas. One of my favorite times during the week is when my wife and I have put the kids down, and they've finally just, there's been a, a general shush over the whole household. It's an amazing shush. We put the kids down, and it's me and her time, and we get to watch a movie. Oh, it's so good. So we cuddle up. My favorite time of the week, we cuddle up and we get to watch a movie. The problem with this is, is my wife does not have patience for movies with drama, with pain, with downturns, with depression. She doesn't have patience for any of this. So if it's a true movie, if it's a true story, she will literally, in the middle of the movie, just go, I don't want to watch this anymore, and she'll want to Google the redemption. That's what I call it. She'll pull out the Google generator and she'll look, did this person get redemption at some point? Does everybody hug at some point? Is the divorce not final and then they find each other in the airport and they hug together and they kiss? Because that's the part that I want to know about. It doesn't matter how good the writing is. It doesn't matter how good the directing is. The IMBD, the Rotten Tomatoes. She does not care. She just wants to know, does this person find the relationship that they've been looking for their whole life? And is there smiles and happiness? And I think we're a lot like that. The Old Testament is is full of massive challenges. Not only does man sin against God, but man sins against God for generations. Not only do they commit idolatry, which means worshiping something else, but they, they start worshiping other gods even though God was so involved and so impressive in their lives, they just start to worship something else. God takes life. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, God gives life. Did you know that? In the Old Testament, he gives Satan ground to make someone suffer. Did you know that? You ever, you ever read Job? We don't like that part. This is, this, these are massive problems. It's massive drama, and we just want nothing to do with it. But without a deep understanding of the drama, there's not a deep understanding of the redemption. Right? Without a deep understanding of the pain, you don't really know the gift of healing that is Jesus. So I know we want to skip that part of the story. Like my wife, we don't, want to, we don't want to watch that part of the movie. We don't want to read it. We don't want to dissect it. We don't want to know the context of those laws. Those laws are gross, and the war is gross, and we don't want to see any of that, and we don't want to see the pain. We just want to skip right to the good part. But without real understanding of the pain, we'll never really know the, the gift that is the New Testament, that is Jesus. The New Testament is not the New Testament without the Old Testament. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And until you fully appreciate how deep man's sin is in the Old Testament, you won't really understand, wow, wow, this is what Christmas really is about. I know I'm saying Christmas way too much before Thanksgiving. I apologize, but I promise this is going somewhere. Like, we always get to December and Christ's birth in the New Testament, and rarely do we take November uh, to break down his presence in the Old Testament, right? I'm guilty of this. I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor, so I've put together numerous Christmas series, and we always skip right to the part where he's born, and we don't give any context from the Old Testament of his other appearances, right? We do a series called The Greatest Gift, and White Jesus is popping out of a box on the graphic. I looked some of these up. I looked some of these These are legit things that churches are doing today. Uh, a series is called 3D Jesus, all the dimensions of Jesus. Legit, it happens. And there's graphics that are in 3D and then they hand everybody out 3D goggles. Some of you guys are like, ooh, that sounds amazing. Stop it. No, it's not amazing. You're like, can we do that? Is it in the budget? There's another one. I I read this one. It's called Awkward Family Christmases. Awkward Family. And and the tagline is, we want to look into how awkward family Christmases can be. Where Jesus is in any of that, I, don't, I, don't, I have no clue. Apparently, it's no longer a qualifier for Jesus to be a part of a sermon series anymore. But this is what we're doing, right? We love to get to Christmas and do one of these series where we talk about the major appearance of Christ, but we don't look into the appearances of Christ in the context of the Old Testament. So here's what we thought as a staff as we're praying through this as a lead team. We're thinking, let's look at the appearances of Christ before the appearance of Christ, and let's go into the Old Testament to the Christophanies. All right, so so that's kind of the basis uh, for this series. Uh, Let's go into our first Christophany, which is Jacob wrestling, who most scholars believe is Jesus. See, God the Father doesn't show his face. Jesus shows his face, most scholars believe, in the Old Testament, because no man can really look on the face of God the Father. So Jesus shows his face. The Spirit is present But here we get what we call Christophanies, and Jacob is the first one wrestling uh, with Jesus, at least that we're going to study. Now let's get some background on this Jacob guy first. Jacob, again, is wrestling with life quite a bit. He tricked his father and brother into receiving a blessing. It's a great story. Read it sometime. His brother comes home. His brother's hungry. His brother's like, I'll give you whatever. He's like, give me your blessing. And the blessing is huge. It's huge. It's it's basically God's plan through a man, through somebody, to be fruitful and multiply. And he's gonna be the father of Israel. So it's a huge blessing. And Esau comes home and he's hungry. Not, Not he's not hungry, he's hungry. His stomach is turning, he's angry, he's cranky. He's like, Give me some of that soup. And Jacob's like, I'll give you some soup if you give me the blessing. And the man gives up his blessing for some red. Lentil soup I mean it doesn't even sound good It's not even like broccoli cheddar Red lentil soup Gives up his blessing for it So he's mad Esau's mad Isaac's mad Now God, God knows this about Jacob God is going to bless Jacob But he's got to run from his brother first Because his brother is like His brother's like a Michigander okay? I was in Michigan for a long time These dudes wear camo uh, they know how to use a weapon. These are the dudes you don't want to see in the woods. You go in the woods, you want to see a guy like me. Right? J. Crew outlet, spit him out, and here he is. right? That's, you see him in the woods, you're like, oh, he's not going to do anything. right? He can't even survive here. right? You see a Michigan man in the woods, beard, you know, he's got camo, not like camo joggers or a camo flat brim. Uh, or a nice camo, you know, one of, one of these guys No, 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 that accents your black shirt No, 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 none of that Just straight, I want to kill you camo okay, that, that's, that's, what, that's what Esau is He's got the talent to hunt And so Jacob is running for his life Jacob prays through this wrestle with life In chapter 32, this is earlier in verse 11 Please deliver me from the hand of my brother From the hand of Esau For I fear him That he may come and attack me and mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea. This is what God promised. Which cannot be numbered for multitude. You see his problem, right? God said, I'm going to do this. We call it a promise. He can, he can envision the fulfillment. But there's this middle ground where it doesn't look like God is going to do what he's going to do. Like everything that God promised... Jacob needs to be alive for. His kids need to be alive for. So he's like, I do promise you're going to do this, but here's the thing. It looks like we're going to die. So how am I going to do all this if I'm dead? You see the problem, the problem here? If you could put, put up the next graphic. It, we call this middle ground the meantime. So the promise is there. Maybe some of you have felt a promise from God. And you can picture, you can envision the fulfillment but that middle time is called the mean time. That's where Jacob's at. Where it doesn't look like God is going to do what he said he was going to do. Now you know He's—you know in like the back of your mind somewhere, like, I think he's going to do that. He told me he's going to do that. I felt it. I prayed through it. There was peace. There was vision. There was dream. I feel it. Like someone spoke it over me. I feel like God is going to do that. But all the circumstances, all the dominoes in the middle don't look like God is going to actually do that. You've been there before, right? It's called the meantime. Some of you are existing in the meantime right now. Sometimes we call it limbo. We borrow this term from other religions uh, called limbo. It's the it's the place that borders hell and heaven, and you don't know where you're going. It sounds horrible. We use it like as a swear word. I'm in limbo right now. Thanks for asking. Right? It's the meantime. That middle ground that is challenging to your life, the struggle is real. And you're thinking, aren't you going to do what you said you're going to do? I'm there right now. Maybe you can be honest with me, too. Maybe, maybe you're there. I'm there right now. We felt, my wife and I felt, that God was going to plant numerous churches here and in New York City. We felt the promise. We got dreams. We got visions. I don't know if you believe in dreams, if you believe in dreams, God, if you don't believe in God doing dreams or using dreams, then read the birth of, you can't really believe in Christmas. The whole Christmas story is based on God warning through dreams, okay? God still gives dreams and visions. And so we got, we got numerous dreams and visions, and we had this peace that surpasses all understanding, so much so that we packed up a family of five and moved into the city. There's only like four of us here in the city, families of five. And we have like a support group on Wednesday nights, um, <laughs> But we know that God promised that. We can picture the fulfillment. I can picture what it looks like. For this place to fill up, for us to have multiple church planters going in multiple different directions, I can picture what it looks like to have 10 to 12 missional communities scattering all throughout the city. I can picture what it looks like to have refugee housing, to have someone donate an amazing building, and we're going to keep up with it, and we're going to treat these refugees like they deserve to be treated as sons and daughters of God. I can picture the fulfillment, but in the meantime, it's testing, I'm like, are you sure, God? Cuz I can't find parking. Are you sure, God? Because yeah, we got we this is going well. Let's be honest, this is going really well. We talked about how well it's going last week. All the, all the good measurements of God working inside of a of a mission and a, and a purpose and a family. All of those things are happening. But we're going to need a lot more people if we're going to plant multiple churches and multiple missional communities. We're going to need, need a lot more money if we're going to support a refugee housing. We're going to need a lot more. So in the meantime, everything in me is tested. Is that fair? Can you, can you relate to that? God said he was going to do something. You can picture the fulfillment. But in the meantime, the meantime becomes a, a swear word and part of it is because man and women are man and woman are on one timeline three letters now right that's our timeline i want it now when do you want it now everything we invent is now right the other day uh, i'm in i'm in a gas station i'm getting a bottle of water i put my chip in right and it asked for my pin number i almost left <laughs> She's like, no, you have to type it in. I'm like, you want me to type in four extra numbers? Like, I almost flipped out. I'm like, what has happened to me? I can't even type in four numbers anymore. I'm like, Ugh. I looked at her like she was gross. Like, are you serious? Four numbers? Because our, our one timeline is now. I want it now. And I just got to tell you that God is not on that timeline. And so that's why the meantime is Meantime. Right? You see what I did there in the meantime? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me show you a scripture from Peter. Peter warns us. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. It's comforting, but it's not at the same time. Right? right? But it just lets you know, look, God is not, his patience is not your patience, his rush is not your rush, his time is not your time, his day is not your day, his thousand years is not even your thousand years. I want to tell you about two things. This is where we're going this morning. Two things that are good this morning that you never thought were good. That's where we're going. Two things that are good that you never thought were good. The first thing that is good that you never thought was good is the meantime. The meantime is good. doesn't feel good. Ironically, it feels horrible. But the meantime is good. I want you to look at a neighbor, any neighbor, and just tell them, the meantime is good. Tell it to him. I hope you ain't got no coffee breath, but tell it to him. The meantime <laughs> is good. I want you to tell your your neighbor this as well. The wrestle is good. Tell them the wrestle is good. Again, ironically, these things, they feel like pain, they feel like God doesn't love you, they feel like God isn't there, but they are both really good. Let's talk about the meantime first. The meantime is the time, again, in the middle of the promise and the fulfillment, and it does not feel good, but Jacob is here, and he is going to learn a lot in the meantime. Now, the promise for Jacob If you put up that that other slide, that other graphic, Uh, the promise for Jacob is really good. It's the one with the arrow, Tony. Uh, There you go. The promise is really good, and the fulfillment is going to be great. Did you know that Jacob is on the list? God has a list. Exodus, we just read it last week, when Moses says, who do I say sent me? And God describes himself. He describes himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of... Jacob, dude is on the list. I mean, is there another list on the planet that you would like to be on? That is the most amazing list of all time. That is the fulfillment that God is—he's going to build an entire nation with and through Jacob. He is on the list. I mean, if it was the God of Ryan, the God of Shamoy, and the God of Justin, I would—I I could die right there. Fine, just knock me out. I'm ready to go because I'm on the list. This is an amazing promise that God fulfills, but he's not there. He's in the meantime. And we're going to see that the meantime is so good to Jacob. He learns deep prayer. He learns perspective. He learns who he is and who God is. He learns that when he's suffering and when he's wrestling, I have to keep my eyes on God. He learns how to be a leader. He learns how to be a father. He learns how to lead a nation in the meantime. I'm going to show you uh, who this man turns into. Remember, he's already wrestled with life. He already believes that his life is in danger, that his kids' lives, his, wife, his wives are, are in danger. Uh, and Jacob, again, is wrestling and about to have the UFC fight of his life. Next scripture, verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and the man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, we can assume that this man had this ninja Brazilian jiu-jitsu MMA hip socket touch the entire time. We can assume that it was in his repertoire, his mixed martial arts repertoire, because he saves it. Now, if it's me, and I have Brazilian jiu-jitsu ninja super touch of the hip, if I have that, and it's me, I'm using it first four seconds. I'm not waiting 15 rounds. One of these, hip touch, bang. It's over. Other hip touch, you can't walk. And the whole thing, I'm just going to bang, bang. It's, it's over. Have you ever been in a fight? I mean, you don't really want to be in a fight. You don't want to wrestle. I just want to hip touch you and you can't walk. That's where I want to go. But he, he holds on to this. Why does he hold on to this? Because he wants the fight. He doesn't want Jacob to suffer, but he needs Jacob to go through this. He needs Jacob to wrestle because he's turning Jacob into something. He's building Jacob into somebody. But Jacob said, I will not bless you unless you let me, or, or, or I will not let you go until you, unless you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. Uh, Jacob is limping here. <laughs> not one of those good limps. Not, not, you know, not like, it's one of those limps that's ugly, painful. He's been going through life like, 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 Someone's going to kill me. Now he's wrestling some guy, and he has a limp, and yet he still has Jesus in some sort of wrist hold or rear naked choke. And he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. Do you see the warrior that Jacob has become? This is a dude right here. This is an OG right here. He's wrestling Jesus. He has him in a rear naked choke, and he's, I'm not letting you go. His hip is out of socket. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds painful. And he's saying, I will not let you go. Let let me bring you comfort this morning because, again, many of you are in the meantime. Um, The meantime is good to you. It really is. Sometimes the things that are hardest on you are the best for you. You ever think about that? It doesn't feel that way in the middle of it, but just know, have some perspective. The things that are hardest on you are the best for you. I'm talking about your soul. I'm talking about your heart, your character, your mind, your leadership. Maybe you got to hear this word right now. This, this meantime is not worthless. That's how I think about the meantime. When I'm praying, God, this is worthless. Just take me to the fulfillment. Where is the fulfillment? And we look at this meantime as worthless. really if we look at this story, if we look at the scriptures and the narrative of scripture, the meantime is more important than the promise or the fulfillment. It's more shaping than both the promise and the fulfillment. Like when God promises me something, I go, yay! That's great. Right? When God fulfills something, I'm like, praise you God. But the fulfillment, that meantime, that middle ground is like, that's what shapes my prayer. That's what shapes my prayer life. That's what shapes my giving life. That's what shapes uh, who I am as a man, who I am as a father, who I am as a husband. It's, it's the meantime that really shapes who I am. It's the re- meantime that is good to me. Let me read you James. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Did you hear that? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Have you ever heard someone tell you that? You go out and them, I got a lot, of tri- a lot of things going on right now. Count it all joy, brother. <laughs> Know, how about I count this? <laughs> right? Like, are you serious? Watch. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness in the meantime. And let that steadfastness have its full effect. Embrace the meantime. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Did you know that was obtainable for you by the time you di- You can head toward this goal. The meantime is what produces something inside of you. The promise produces a little bit. The fulfillment produces a little bit. But the meantime produces who you are as a son or a daughter of Jesus. It produces your ability to fix your eyes on Jesus so that next time when you suffer, you don't just give up, you don't just quit. Next time when it's not coming, you have a little bit more patience. And by the time you're 85, I don't know if you've ever met like an 85-year-old who has just followed Jesus for 65 years. Sit down and have a conversation with them sometime. By the time you're there, you are so mature and complete. That's where I want to be. I want to be old and gray and smarter than everybody. It's a fair goal. I want to be complete. The meantime is good. It's good. Something else that's good is the wrestle. The wrestle is good, watch this. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. An entire nation receives its name, its prophetic name, its meaning, because of this wrestling match, which means this wrestling match is God approved. God picks the fight, he uses the fight, And then he gives a name to Jacob for his victory after the fight. This has got approved. God is okay with the wrestle. Did you hear that? God is okay with the wrestle. The wrestle is actually good. So here's my question today. Why are we so ashamed of the wrestle? If the wrestle is okay with God, why are we so ashamed of the wrestle? Like you've all went up to a friend, like, yo, I'm struggling right now. I'm having a hard time finding faith. I'm having a hard time trusting that God is there, that he cares. I'm having a hard time trusting that he's in this, this meantime, this wrestle, this moment. And that friend always says, whoa, 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 hey, hey. No, 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 that's faithless. You're not trusting God right now, right? Why are we so ashamed of it? If God is okay with the wrestle, why are we ashamed of the wrestle? You learn so much more in the wrestle. You learn so much more in the meantime. I got in a fight once. Like Jacob is having a UFC fight i have, I have to tell you about my UFC fight. I had a UFC fight once i 'm not even lying to you it wasn't a part of the UFC. It was a part of some amateur mixed martial arts deal and some 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 back you know back deal okay back back door like there's only fifty people there and I just went really I just went to show up. I just went to watch. Uh, so I just had a lot of taco Bell. Uh, it was when I could eat Taco Bell and not just like fall over. Uh, and so I ate a lot of Taco Bell. I had a full soda. It was also when I drank soda. Don't do that anymore either. Um, and so here I am, just watching the fight. And I tell my buddy, um, I could beat these guys up. That's what I told him. That, that's, I just, I, I was kneeling down. I stood up. I said, I could take these guys. That, that sure of myself. And then I went back down. That was it. That was our full conversation. He's like, Yo, I gotta go to the bathroom. And so he goes to the bathroom. And as he went to the bathroom, he stopped by the table, and he signed your boy up to fight. True story, true story, right? So he brings this guy over, and this guy is big, okay? And his shirt is off, all right? Now, I was a little bit bigger then. I was a little bit more in shape then, but he was definitely bigger than me. He's bald. He looks like Esau, right? He's got a beard, and he's like, hey, man, I need to fight somebody, and my fight didn't show up. Will you fight me? Now, most mature young men would think, no. (laughs) No. No, I just ate Taco Bell, and I'm dressed in jeans, and so no, I will not fight you. I haven't trained. I've never fought anybody in my life. So no, I'm not going to fight you. Right? That's what most, but but my pride swelled up inside of me. Like, yeah, let's go. You got clothes? He's like, yeah, I do have clothes. I'm like, shoot, that didn't work. (laughs) I was hoping nobody had clothes or a mouth guard. He's like, I got clothes and a mouth guard. So they gave me some swim shorts and a mouth guard and gloves. I was up, like, I I I went from street clothes and Taco Bell to fighting within three minutes. I came out, there's 50 people surrounding us, um, and, and I just thought to myself, how did I get here? <laughs> and they hit the whistle or the buzzer or whatever, and so we just came out swinging. Like, I didn't know what to, it was fight or flight, man. It was either I run out the door, but I had no right home, it's, so, so I, just, I just decided I'm going I'm to fight. Um, and so I clocked him, bang, right in his eye. He's bleeding, they stopped the fight. I'm like, oh yeah, sure. I can actually hit somebody, right? It's okay, I'm not a wimp. And so I'm I'm excited. Unfortunately, they stopped the bleeding. And so we had to go to the second round. Uh, In the second round, I got what's called ground and pounded. I don't know what you know what that is, but it's when someone mounts you like a horse and they're just hitting you like this. And if you've never been in that position, I recommend not getting in that position. But I survived the round, okay, round two. This is my first year as a pastor, by the way. Round two, I had to preach the next day. Round two, uh, he wins. So I win the first round, he wins the second round. Round three, he goes for a kick to my face, which makes sense because that's what you're there to do. You're there to hurt each other. And he missed. And I got him in what's called a headlock. Now, the problem is uh, I don't really know good form. Okay, so I have him in a headlock, and I'm looking up at my buddy like this. This is me. I did it. You know, I'm looking at him like I got him. Uh, I, I didn't realize that his head was bald and sweaty. And that thing, like a rubber ducky, went Perf! And he got me in a rear naked choke. And I lost with 20, 24 seconds left. Now, uh, I was mangled. He was mangled. And the next day, I preached. Mangled. And my mentor was there. My mentor was 73 years old. My mentor looked at me and said, why? I said, there's this thing called mixed martial arts. He's like, he just shook his head. And I'm like, I'm going to get fired. But so I preached the next day that way. J- just, just mangled. But I asked my wife, I called her that night, and even though I lost, I was so excited because I, I didn't know really what I was made of. I didn't know that I could stand against somebody who's been training for MMA. I didn't, I didn't know that, and so I called her up. I didn't go to bed till like 2 a.m. I threw up six times. Uh, there was nothing left inside of me, but I didn't go to bed till like 2 a.m. because I'm walking around the house like... I can can handle myself. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, if my wife gets in trouble, I'm going to beat up the guy. You know, I'm just just going back and forth. Because I discovered really what I was made of in that moment. The losing didn't really bother me. The wrestle was good. Did you know that? It feels like you should be ashamed of yourself. But go toe-to-toe. Hold on to Jesus. Look him in the eyes. Say, I'm having a hard time with this. I'm not, I'm not okay with this. He can handle it. He'll hold on to you. Say, I will not let you go until you bless me. Say that to Jesus. Because the wrestle's good. One last one. I know I told you two things, but I lied at the beginning on purpose, uh, which is horrible for a pastor to say, but I don't really super care. Okay, so let's watch the ending of this movie. So Jacob called the name of the place saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Jacob walks away with a limp. And again, it's not a cool limp. It's not a, it's not a good limp. As a matter of fact, Jacob spends a lot of his life walking long distances with 11 children. Okay, so I'm just going to leave that there. It's, it's not easy to walk with a limp, to walk with this pain. Jacob is limping. And most people would say that's not a good look, or that's really inconvenient. But look at a neighbor and tell them the limp is good. Go ahead. The limp is good. The limp proves to you where you've been. Like some of you guys are ashamed of that limp. You're ashamed of your past. That that story about you. You're ashamed of that thing that you did. Uh, you're ashamed of that moment that you had. And you think the limp, that, that thing that's still with you today, you think that defines you in the wrong way. But, but I say the limp is good. I say that's, that's who you've been. Like you've made it through that battle. You've been forgiven. You've made it through that fight. That black eye is good. That limp is good. Don't be ashamed of it. Some of you got two out of three. Some of you got all three. You're checking all three boxes this morning. <laughs> Maybe you're in the meantime. Maybe you have a limp. Maybe you're in the wrestle. Maybe all three, that would be, that would be horrible. I'm praying for you. <laughs> and I know what Satan is saying in the middle of all this. I know what he's saying. For those of you in the meantime, he's telling you, you're not going to make it. He's told me, he's whispered that in my ear time and time. You're not going to make it. You're either going to burn out, or you're going to let somebody down, or you're going to let yourself down, or you're going to sin, or... He's whispering in your ear, you're not going to make it. If you're in the wrestle, he's telling you, you should be ashamed of yourself. You do not trust God. Right? Oh, man, I've heard that. You should be ashamed of yourself. You don't have faith. You're a pastor. You should have faith. All it takes is faith of a mustard seed. that can move a mountain. We just start spitting t-shirts at people, right? You should have faith. You should be ashamed of yourself. If you have a limp, he's saying, that's ugly. You're not good. You're not really a son of God, or God is not good because he allowed you to have that limp. So I want you to to be able to say something this morning. And usually a title is at the beginning of the message, but the title is at the end of the message today. The title goes like this. It's all good. It's all good. It's all a part of you being complete and mature lacking nothing. It's all good. I promise you that. Look, you ever, you ever make a cake? I, I, I'm going to steal an illustration from one of my favorite preachers. You ever make a cake? I haven't either. Remember, I stole the illustration, okay? When you make a cake, you got butter, you got eggs, you got flour, you got sugar, right? And my favorite is dolce de leche. Anybody? Shout out. Thank you. Yes, my favorite cake is dulce de leche. Any of them. You're like, which one? All of them. So, the cake takes these ingredients. But have you ever stuck a full stick of butter in your mouth? Just harr, like a pretzel, just harr. Not good. Have you ever put your face in flour and just licked up a little bit of flour? Not good. Have you ever cracked an egg open and was like, ah, you know? Like a meathead, like before you go to the gym, it's like, uh, you know, have you, ever, have you ever done, like these things alone, they feel horrible. But when you, when you put them together, when they're a part of the cake, the cake tastes amazing. All these things, they, they feel horrible by themselves. But it's part of it. It's part of your journey. It's part of you becoming mature and complete, lacking nothing. God wants to make you a warrior. He wants to make you someone who is strong and capable someone who knows who they are in him, someone who knows they're a son, knows they're a daughter, knows that they're not going to fail, knows that if they do fail, it's going to be okay. He wants you to know that you have someone to look at even when you're wrestling with him. You have someone to hold on to. He wants you to know that he's always there. He's always present in the Old Testament and the New, in the suffering and, and, and the joy, in the pain and the healing. He's there through it all. This is all part of him making that cake. It's okay. Trust him. Um, today we're going to do some communion as we close out here. Worship team coming up here, um, and, and Pe- Pedro and Ryan are going to run some communion. But I, I want to pray first, and I want to I want to ask God to speak into your meantime, or to speak into your wrestle, or to speak into your limp right now. So if you close your eyes with me, God, some of us are in the meantime. We know the promise, we can see the fulfillment, but the meantime does not feel good. And so I pray for those in this room who are in the meantime, and they're just struggling. They want to give up. They want to quit. I know you have their back. I know you're going to fulfill it. I know you have a new name for them. Some of my friends in this room are going through the wrestle right now and Satan's been telling them that they should be ashamed of it, but they crawled out of bed anyway and made it to church. The wrestle is good. God, teach them that the wrestle is good, it's okay, and to not let you go until you bless them. Some folks have a limp and they think it's ugly and they think it's not a part of who they are. They think that they should be ashamed of it. But God, there's no There's no shame here. There's no shame here. We have a Christ who died on the cross who had much more than a limp, who was crucified, who was bludgeoned. I mean, how weak must you have looked on that cross? But how strong were you on that cross? Oof. You looked like a weakling on that cross, but how strong were you? You were rescuing the world all at the same time. And so I pray that we would be a people that embrace the limp, that lead with a lamp. We love you, Jesus. We pray that you would minister to us in this time as we minister to you, in Jesus' name. Amen. amen.
1: So uh, a lot of us are familiar with the story of Jesus' death. Before, before he was captured, he took his disciples and he uh, ate the Passover meal with them he said, uh, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, The cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And so we know this story. After this, they do all the Passover meal. And then Jesus takes his disciples and they go to the Mount of Olives, right? And for us, we say, Okay, yeah, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. But that was actually illegal in Jesus' day. No one was allowed to leave the city. And so a lot of people read into this, a lot of scholars read into this when it comes through the wrestling and the struggle. And they say that Jesus, in his humanity and in his fear, he tried to run. He left the city. You're not supposed to do that. He was was weak in that moment. And then he got to the Mount of Olives and he went to Gethsemane, And he prayed. He prayed and he struggled. And um, the Bible tells us that he struggled so bad that his sweat appeared to be blood, like blood. Talk about the struggle, right? Talk about the struggle. And he stayed there until he knew the guys were going to come and capture him. Uh, Gethsemane is isn't a part of the park. It's this cave that's on the Mount of Olives. And there you can see directly where the soldiers would have been coming, and so Jesus saw them coming, and He stayed. He knew what was coming, and He stayed. Right? He stayed until they captured Him. And he stayed until they beat Him. He, they stayed, he stayed until they killed Him. And so we come to His table now to remember Him, because this is one of the last things He told us to do. The table, His table, is for everyone who acknowledges them, Him as Savior and who accepts the hand that he holds out to all of us. So if you know Jesus, we welcome you to this table. We welcome you to remember him as a body together, doing one of the last things he told us to do. So when you feel ready, prepare your heart, prepare your mind. Come and take the body and the blood, and take it when you're ready. Go back to your chairs, pray, do whatever you have to do, um, and then take it, and then... Ryan will lead us through uh, worship. So just prepare yourselves to uh, think about Jesus' wrestle, his struggle that he went through, and even allowing death to take him. Um, He's our Savior, and we benefit from his struggle. So uh, I'll pray really quick, and then we can come to his table. So Lord, uh, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for extending this to us, Lord. I thank you that this is a a part of what we do and what Christians have done for millenniums. Lord, we uh, gladly go to your table. We gladly uh, acknowledge what you did for us. So Lord, as we come here and as we take these elements, Lord, please uh, help us remember your faithfulness.